Come on, one of the great iconic scenes in all of movie history that was in honor of our, our student ministry went on movie night this uh, past Friday evening. Uh, love this movie. If you've uh, ever seen it, if you, of course, have not seen it, um, we'll, we have prayer time for you at the end of this service. We'll pray for you. You need to see it. Um, uh, I love this story. Of course, uh, we think about it, and uh, you know, spoiler alert: Daniel does well in the end. Uh, if you haven't seen it, he, uh, he wins. But this story, uh, this story is is more about a relationship between a teacher and a student, and the development that you get to see. Because it, even the I, the final scene of the movie is a teacher looking on his students, totally, completely, fully affirming him and all that he's accomplished. And so that's what this movie is actually about. I actually think that's what's so moving about the movie. It's not actually the victory at the end. It's actually about this relationship that has grown over a period of time. And so you feel this thing where you see someone who is willing to invest in and affirm and speak life, willing to give of their time into someone, and you feel that. And I, I don't know anyone that doesn't love the, the, the opportunity for someone to be, to be seen or to be validated, for someone to take the time to say something or invest in you or speak words of life. This, it really doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what your religious background is, doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is. If someone is willing to take the time to speak some life into you, to invest in you, to encourage you, that actually is meaningful. Everybody can agree on that. In fact, I, listen, uh, when it comes, I, I've ne- I have yet in my entire life ever had someone who wanted to take some time to spend some time encouraging me or speaking to me, and I'm like, you shut your mouth. Don't, don't, don't say that. Don't you say those words. That doesn't happen, right? Someone wants to speak life or see something in you and call it up. That's meaningful, don't care where you come from, that is deeply meaningful. The question is, why is that true of us? Well, that's what I want to unpack this morning because God has designed all of life, all of life, and I'd say more specifically in his kingdom, for us to function this way, where deep down we all know that we are made for more but we need each other to take us on that journey for what God has in store for us. We all know deep down, every one of us knows that there is more, that we're made for more, but we gotta have each other to get there. That the things that God wants to do are not gonna be done sitting on an island. And that is a categorical truth. And it's why we have relationships in the first place. Meaning, You were meant to have people speaking into your life, calling you up and encouraging you to become more and more and more like Jesus. You were meant for this. You made for that. You understand this. And, and I need everybody to say and. And. That was horrible. And, 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 all right. And, and you You were meant to speak into others' lives and call others up and encourage each other to become more and more like Jesus. 
You're both meant to be called up, but church, you are also meant to call others up. Every single one of us. How do I know that? Because the final instructions we get from the Son of God revolve around this truth. The final things that Jesus will say to his followers are exactly about this. You look at Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible, you need to grab it. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seat in front of you, you guys that are joining us at home. Make sure you have a Bible in your hands so you can see the word of God for yourself. Matthew chapter 28. We'll throw it on the screen here just in case. And I want to read this. This is Jesus has already gone to the cross, into the grave, come out alive, victorious. And he is setting his people up for what life is going to look like after he leaves. And here's what he wants to say. Jesus comes and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth, which is everywhere, basically, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here's his final instruction. Church, go and make disciples. One word in the Greek, mathetesuat. <laughs> sorry. Method. I forgot. I, I learned how to say it, and then I forgot it. I'm sorry. <laughs> is the, the root word is metheteo, but the other, the, the verb, I can't say it. I'm sorry. Just, can we edit this part out? Thank you. Okay. It's a transitive verb, one word, and here's what he's saying. It's an act of, it is an act of doing, of stepping into, to make disciples. This is what Jesus is saying. He's looking at all of his followers saying, this is where you're going. Of course, right in alignment and in perfect agreement with this word, Jesus' final words before he literally about to go to be with the Father. So on his way, and his final word is this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what I'm going to do. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple and you are a disciple maker, period. And I think one of the most tragic losses the church has experienced out in the West is misunderstanding and missing the call to make disciples. We're in the middle of this series called A Time to Build, where we're affirming as a church who God is calling us to become. And what we want to say is this, Jesus, if you said it, we want to obey it. We want to walk with you and we want to become exactly what you're asking. And one of those things without question is to be a people who make disciples. It's seen here, both implicit and explicit in these texts. And so we ask the question, okay, Jesus, why did you give us these commands? Why do you give us? Why is this important? And the answer is really simple because this is what Jesus did. He gives us this command 
as his followers because this is exactly what he did. Let's sum up Jesus's ministry real quick. He ministers, he heals, he affirms, he teaches many people, but he gives himself to 12. Teaches, trains, explains, shows, walks with, rebukes, kids with them, loves them. The whole nine yards, he grabs 12 dudes and he had a few peripheral that came with, men and women that came around, that were around him and says, I'm gonna pour myself into you. And from 12 dudes, you're gonna change the face of the earth. Now, church, if that was true of 12 guys able to change the earth, what would happen with the 50 that are here and however many are joining online? If we said, let's just do what Jesus did. This is the call on our lives. This is what he does. It's the way that he moves. He grabs 12 guys who, parentheses, have no business being disciples of the king of the universe. Completely and utterly uneducated, theologically have no idea what's going on. Don't have any, they're just normal guys. And there's liberals and there's conservatives. All right? If you want to get into Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector, but we won't go there. All right? We stay away from politics because that's chaos, okay? Jesus says, I don't care where you're coming from on the street. I'm just grabbing these guys who are living in this normal life and I'm, and you're going to change the earth. And I think it's so powerful. And so this leads us to this great commission that we get. This is this Matthew 28 text that you have in your hands. That's what it's referred to often if you've gotten to grow up in the church, the great commission where Jesus is sending us out in boldness and power. And we tend to shrink back. And there's two reasons why we shrink back. And I just want to address those very quickly. Number one, what we think is, I'm not a disciple because I don't have a Mr. Miyagi in my life. Like, I can't be a disciple. I don't have a Mr. Me. I don't have somebody that's got a bajillion years and telling me all the things that I should be doing and shouldn't be doing. So we think that, that, number one, there's that. Or number two, I can't make disciples because I'm not Mr. Miyagi. That's what we think. I can't be a disciple because I don't have one, or I can't make disciples because I'm not one. And what we'll see throughout the scripture is you don't need to be Mr. Miyagi to make disciples. You don't have to, nor do you have to have one in order to be discipled. And so that leads us to this very simple question. And what does it mean to make disciples? What is Jesus going for? What is he looking for from his church in order to make disciples? What did Jesus mean? And I wanna, I'm gonna make it super simple for you. Making disciples is actively seeking to build relationships for the purpose of becoming like Jesus. To be intentional and have purpose in every place, in every arena we go. We're going to want to become more and more like Jesus. Let me say it. This church and its aim is nothing if it's not to become more like Jesus. This is where we want to go. And I just believe from the words of scripture, the most powerful and meaningful way we will get there is if we do this in relationship with each other and we call more people to be a part of that. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to actively seek 
to do relationships that help us to become more like Jesus. That's where we're headed. That's what we're doing. This is why you're here. In fact, every career, every fiscal or every relational pursuit you have will ultimately be empty and eventually bland and maybe even broken if we aren't functioning in this call because this is what you've been made for is to call people to become more like Jesus. Those that are outside the church, those that are inside the church, this is what life is actually all about because we're here for one hour and then an eternity with him. So we want to just take this, 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 this sweet command commission, pull this close and say, how can we begin to live this out? If we're going to be fine fulfillment, listen, we'll, no one will be fulfilled, ultimately fulfilled until they're stepping into this commission on their lives. This is true whether you're a part of the church or you're not, because this is what we've all been designed for. God has created us for this very purpose. Our whole mission in life is ultimately this, and our marriage should be defined by this, and our parenting should be defined by this, and our career and our workplace relationships should be defined by this, this opportunity to ask the question, how can I build relationships for the purpose of helping people become more like Jesus? How can we serve? How can we minister? How can we bless? How can we come alongside each other? This is how the world was changed. And this is how the world, hear this, will be changed. Because this is how Jesus chose to change the world. And it was his final words to us. Meaning this church, the more we do this, the more the church grabs a hold of this, the more politics change the more the arts change, the more education changes, the more race relations, race relations change. All of the arenas that feel like they're in upheaval right now, if you want to see active shift and change and transformation in those places, it's going to ha happen when the church picks up the call to make disciples to bring people into an understanding of who their king is and show them that he's ready to speak life over them, to validate them, and to call them up into their d divine purpose forever. That's what, this, that's what the church is meant to be about. That's what we're about. Making disciples is the mission. It is the mission. It's the plan. It's the purpose. That's what the Lord wants to release in our homes, workplaces, and everywhere else we go. This is why Jesus makes these church-defining statements that we are ultimately called to obey. This is his call. And so the church, our church family, and I'd say the church family, but our church family is meant to joyfully and gladly and passionately obey Jesus. And from that is life. This is, this is where life is found. And so let's just unpack really quick and then we'll, we'll finish up here. What does it actually look like? When we say make disciples, that's a big concept. What does that actually mean? What does that look like? I want to just begin to unpack a few things. No, first, 
Three things that discipleship is not, okay? Not. Let's just start here. One, disciple-making is not a program to master. It's not a program to master. What we want to do is seek to build relationships and grow. It's not a program. This is a, there, you, in fact, if you've grown up in the church, you've probably been a, a part of a thousand different kind of programs. It's not about the program. The aim is this. Are we building relationships where we can grow? Okay? Reading the word of God. Growing, encouraging, seeking to obey. Okay? Number two, disciple making is not about becoming Mr. Miyagi. Okay? If you think... You have to have dozens upon dozens upon dozens of years of maturity in the Lord in, able, in order to be able to make disciples, then you've not been reading what you see in the Bible. Because the story is, from the beginning, from Genesis to Revelation, the people who are called to make a difference all have no business making a difference. Not one of them. None of them are qualified. If you're sitting down and going, I couldn't, I don't, my life is a mess. My life is a mess. I thank God that Jesus has saved me. I think, I'm so, I feel so thankful, but my life is a mess. I, there's no way that I could ever make disciples. Welcome to the club. In fact, that testimony, I'm a mess, but I have a savior who's made me whole that qualifies you to make disciples, okay? That's the point. This is the point. We just keep pointing to the savior, right? We just keep pointing to a king who's greater than us that we're trying to follow and trying to obey. This is the call. So it's not about years and years to be able to be Mr. Miyagi to someone else. It's just about, am I willing to get into the lives of the people around me. Again, as I mentioned, the disciples were regular guys and gals. Some of them were haughty, right? Some of them had demonic oppression prior to following Jesus. Some of them were thought as traitors to their country. Guys who ran, uh, listen, all of them ran and hid after Jesus was crucified. Every one of them, all gone, scattered. This doesn't like this. You don't look at these guys and go, courage, let's do this. You're going like, Jesus, did you, you kind of missed it on this deal with these guys? Did you really think you were going to get far down the road with a fisherman? And Jesus says, absolutely, 110%, because th this is how I want my kingdom. I want my kingdom upside down. Uh, all the conventional wisdom in the world sounds amazing. I want my kingdom upside down. You don't know why? Because it'll bring me glory and they will find their deepest joy. It's that simple. It's that simple. So Jesus is looking for a bunch of people who are going, I don't have any business discipling. He's going, you're a disciple maker. That's what you are. That's who you are. And I love that about him. And then also for finally, disciple making is not about having all the answers to all the questions. That's not what it is. This is. These are the many things that keep us from wanting to make disciples because you're just going, I don't really know where I stand on the whole Calvinist versus Arminius discussion. These guys are arguing about that. And I'm just like, literally, I, just, I forgot to put on deodorant this morning. So I'm just trying to get through, right? And you're just going, I can't have this conversation. Somebody asked me about that. I don't, I don't get, let me, that's so irrelevant to the point. That is so irrelevant to the issue. This is not what Jesus, Jesus was clearly not looking for theological elites. What he was looking for, just willing hearts to just say, I'll do this. I'll jump in on this. 
I want to make a difference in people's lives. I don't know how to do it, but I want to make a difference. It's not about having all the answers. We can go on that journey together. It's not even about being afraid to ask questions. Somebody going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to? Man, an amazing answer is, I don't know. But let's go on a journey and find out. Just get on the internet. No, wait, that's a bad idea. Let's go talk to a pastor. Internet's a dangerous place, all right, for theological answers, right? But let's just go on a journey and let's ask the question together. That, that's, that's good leadership. All right, actually, we have a whole thing on leadership next week. You need to come back. All right. Three truths about actually making disciples. We're going to finish up with this, and then we're just going to ask God to, to, to embolden us, to make us like him. Number one, and I love this. This is the most important thing. If you don't hear anything else, you got to have this. Making disciples is about yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. It is about saying, not my way, not my ideas. Just your, just want to be full of you, full of your ideas, full of what you have to say. Just lit up. I love this. He says it in both of these texts. It's stated, Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then you'll be my witnesses. Being full and filled and and accompanied by the Holy Spirit is the key for discipleship. It's just saying, God, not my way, your way. I'm opening my hands up. I love in Matthew chapter 28, what does Jesus say as he's given this great commission? I'm going to be with you always. What did Jesus mean? Was he gonna be there with him in person? Nope. What was he talking about? I'm sending the Holy Spirit. You guys are gonna be lit. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think... He said that. You think it's good for me to be here. Wait till you get the Holy Spirit. You'll have power. You don't even know. This is why we can make disciples, church. Not because of us, but because of the God we carry who's made his home inside of us. This thing is real. You get that? Somebody better get some heebie-jeebies or something going on and like, hey, there's, we got we to jump into this thing. There's more for us to be like, you are made to impact people's lives. We're going to do this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that I aim here is to yield more territory to the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, if you think of the Holy Spirit filling us like a balloon, if you blow up a balloon, is it full with air? Absolutely. But if you blew more, is there more? Yes. There's ever, you have ever increasing ability to host more and more of God's presence. And so I love it. So I'm one of those nerds. I love to uh, watch, uh, I've said this many times, but I like to watch war documentaries. And my favorite thing is to find, so they're, when they're talking about battles and they're talking about, they're looking back at World War I or World War II or whatever, and they're talking, in fact, uh, the Revolutionary War. In fact, I read a book on the Battle of Bunker Hill. That's how much nerd I am, okay? I read a book on the Battle of Bunker Hill and the whole thing is about positioning. Who can get the high ground? And so in the American Revolution, they're going, listen, that we know the British are coming. We got to set up. Can't, we got to get the high ground. So it's all about trying to find the right territory. And of course, if you, if you know history, they actually lost, uh, the Americans lost the Battle of Bunker Hill. Uh, we got into it because we went to Boston. It was really cool. So I've been there. I've stood on Bunker Hill. <laughs> so I know. All right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. You just, you know, we won. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, lo I love you, Lindsay. <laughs> Not yet, okay. Battle's still going. Okay, all right. Them's fighting words. Okay. I, what, what I, but what I love here is this. The whole thing is about positioning. 
what they said is, well, we got to take the high ground. They, 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 in the middle of the night, they get the high ground. So when uh, the British come in, they're able to fend them off. And then, uh, uh, listen, they lose the battle. So they actually have to get up the hill. But they, they amass so many casualties. They take out the, they, that they struck fear in the hearts of the enemy. Just by taking the high ground. And so when we talk about asking the Holy Spirit, what we're saying is, Holy Spirit, come and have the high ground. What are the places in me? What are the hills that the Holy Spirit needs to charge in? Those places where maybe fear exists and sits on the high ground or doubt sits on the high ground. And we say, Holy Spirit, I want you to, ha- I want you to come strategically take the high ground. I'm giving it to you. And when you have the high ground, he moves. And he changes. That's what it means. If you want to make disciples, it's just saying, it's just about ultimately saying, Jesus, come have the high ground in me. Take that place and then have your way and show me what it looks like and lead me to victory. That's what we want. We want to be shaped and conformed into the image of Jesus. Number two, making disciples is about choosing to honor and prefer other people, which can have some some difficulties at times, right? Because Often we want to be preferred and chosen, um, that we want to have the, the preference, but it's an opportunity to lay our lives down. G- Jesus says this in John chapter 13, a new commandment I'm going to give to you, that you love one another. Here's the new commandment, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you all sort of love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Love each other. You want to make disciples, it's just choosing to honor. How can I honor and prefer the people that I'm building relationships with? How can I bless? How can I speak life? How can I speak the words of truth over them? John 15, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down their lives for their friends. That is why, hear this church, in probably the most divisive and cynical moment that I can ever imagine or see or have seen in the history of our nation, disciple-making or caring for and helping people, seeing them, preferring them, and being able to speak life into them is the most important thing right now for the church to be doing. For us to be able to see what God sees in other people and begin to call that up. More and more people, listen, more people will come into the family of God when they realize that they will be loved and valued and called up and not judged and talked down to by religious elites. This is the new aim of the church. If we want to see change in the culture that we live in, it will start by us loving and preferring others, calling the other people up. We can make disciples of those who are far from God by caring about them and checking in on them and speaking life and truth over them. And then we'll finish with this and then I'll have our team come up. Making disciples is about helping each other obey Jesus. And this is the one that will often be a stumbling block because we gotta gotta come into alignment with the Lord. There's some things that the Lord may be calling us to obey that are flesh may not wanna obey, right? We all have moments where we don't feel like obeying. I'd be the first to confess that. But the Lord has this for the church, that in our weak moments where we don't want to walk in truth, 
or where we don't want to move forward or we want to tuck tail and run, we grab arms with each other. And we say, how can we press forward to trust and obey the Lord? That's the point of these relationships. In fact, last week we talked about the idea that God's building an authentic community here. That this is what the, the people of God are meant to be as an authentic community, being real with each other, being honest with each other. To be able to share love and value for each other. That ultimately starts with God and then we reflect that to each other. And so now it's time for us to begin to ask the question, Lord, in what ways are you calling me by the power of the Spirit to begin to speak into the lives of others to help people be more like Jesus? To whatever degree we step into this, we're going to find life. And I just, even as a a pastor over this church, I want this church to find life, to be filled with the Spirit and to make a difference in the world around us. We just are, we're actually just now launching something that we're just calling micro groups, which are just groups of three or four coming together. And in fact, if you're, if any interest in leading or just interest in being a part of a micro group, an opportunity, you can sign up in the, in the foyer on your way out, or you can go on our website and sign up there as well. But I just want to say this, we're looking to actually build relationships. We want to come together, link arms to encourage each other, to challenge each other speak into each other's lives. If you're not a part of a small group, jump into a small group. If, you're wanna, if you have interest in joining a micro group, three and four, just coming together, tighten it for a season just to say, hey, let's be together. Let's do this thing. There's, God has more for us. I want to encourage you. There are ways for us to begin to step into this. But the most important thing is for us to say yes. Yes, Lord, I want to make a difference. Yes. Put a yes in my spirit. Help me. What does it look like? Listen, not every relationship is going to last forever. You're going to have a season where you speak into some people's lives and you move on. So I don't want you to feel like I got I to figure out who I'm going to run with for the next 30 years. That's not the point. It's just, hey, who am I called to be ministering to and discipling? In fact, you, I, could see, I, I, I could actually see many of us doing effectively what is discipleship with people that are not in the church. They don't know Jesus, but we want to come alongside them and speak life over them and see what the Lord will do. Pull people in and just have lunch, have coffee, speak life, declare what God has done for you, encourage, bless. And there's gonna come a day where they're gonna go, why are you like the way you are? And you're gonna just say, Jesus, the King has changed me and he can change you. This is what the Lord's doing, all right? Discipleship to transform the city, discipleship to grow this house together. All right, you guys stand with us. We're just going to ask the Lord to do this. I want to just affirm, because we have men's, uh, men's and women's small groups, you could jo- join literally right now. Great opportunities to jump into some relationships. Heard the women's small group was awesome the other nights. Meets on Wednesday nights, I heard it was amazing. Men's small group just, just multiplied into two small groups so there's more men more and more men coming into that so great opportunities for that but the most important thing is for us to begin to ask this question Lord will I obey help me obey your command to make disciples I may not feel like I've got it all together but I want to speak into someone's life I want to make a difference wherever I go and so would you just begin to say ask the Lord Lord would you show me who I might connect with to make disciples.
Who can I influence and encourage? Lord, we want to make a difference in the world around us. We were made for this. I pray that this would be a marker on our church. Help us to reach into people's lives in, this, in the way that, Holy Spirit, you want to, in ways that are meaningful and helpful and life-giving, not heavy-handed, but with the voice of encouragement of your Spirit. Lord, help us to obey. Help us to trust you in this commission. Help us to say yes. I ask in Jesus' name. Let's worship here.